Welcome to Macquarie Street, the national political podcast coming to you from the crucible of Australian democracy. Here's your host, Lyle Shelton. Hello and welcome. It's great to have your company. We're just two weeks away from deciding who will lead our nation for the next three years. In today's show, I unpack the rather shouty leaders debate and suggest that perhaps we are the problem, not them. Meanwhile, one of the biggest issues facing our nation is one that the major parties don't want talked about, and that is gender fluid ideology affecting children and women's sport. I'll tell you why Catherine Deves is right. And in today's feature interview, I speak with my friend Kiralee Smith from Binary Australia. You won't want to miss that. I also unpack the decision of the Anglican Church in Australia to walk away from the teachings of Christ on marriage. There really is an attack on all that is true and good, and that is why shows like this are important. We must keep raising awareness. All that and more coming up. Your party, your party, with your telling this lie for your some time. Your party with your tick off. No. You allowed it to happen. No, we didn't. The federal government had absolutely oh. no authority over that sale whatsoever. Over territories. No, we didn't. Over not over the sale of, of territory-owned assets of that the nature. Federal government. I think we're getting more questions between the Excuse me. I think we're getting more questions between the two of you than our panel. I have no authority whatsoever. This is a very important point. I'm sorry. This is a very important point. No, Mr. Morrison, Mr. Albanese, that's enough. We do need to move on. So how many Which times has Richard Miles met with the Chinese ambassador in Australia? Well, we get the leaders we deserve. But can our leaders really bring down the price of lettuce? That and other pie-in-the-sky expectations were canvassed in last Sunday's Channel 9 Great Debate between Prime Minister Scott Morrison and Opposition Leader Anthony Albanese. Now, both leaders took the gloves off in a shouty encounter that generated more heat than light. Both argued they can give us the cheap and free stuff and somehow keep our debt, which is skyrocketing to a trillion dollars, under control. Perhaps we're part of the problem, looking at elections in terms of what's in it for me, because that is what Albo and ScoMo were clearly pandering to. Perhaps we deserve the leaders we get. Perhaps we are a bigger part of the problem than we realise. Last Sunday's spectacle of argy-bargy will not move votes, only reinforce Australians' low opinion of politicians. In my view, Australia continues to drift towards another election without the real issues being properly debated. We have a crisis on four fronts not adequately addressed by either side of politics. Number one, social policy. Public policy continues to mitigate against the family. We're unable to deal with human rights for the unborn. We ignore the enablers of violence against women, such as pornography. We have legalized euthanasia and we teach toxic gender fluid ideology in schools. Two, cancel culture means freedom of speech and freedom of religion is under threat and woke ideology permeates schools, universities, media, big tech and big corporations and it's enforced by an archipelago of commissions and tribunals. Three, energy and economic policy. Both sides tell us that uh, have an energy policy that can't provide secure and affordable electricity. Four, and we have an external threat from the Chinese Communist Party, which wants to militarise the Solomon Islands and the Pacific. Now, cost of living is obviously an issue, but none of us want to acknowledge that our runaway inflation is less a product of the war in Ukraine than it is because of free government money being poured like petrol on the dumpster fire of a pandemic overreaction. How can we address the cost of living when both sides of politics are committed to eschewing cheap and abundant coal and gas and refuse to embrace nuclear energy? 
Here the Greens and the Teal Independents are driving policy in an illogical direction which suits rich people who can afford to virtue signal on climate but oppresses people in the suburbs with unaffordable electricity. We can't have jobs and manufacturing without affordable and reliable electricity and both major parties are frittering away Australia's competitive advantage as an energy superpower by installing wind turbines and solar panels which cannot power a modern economy. The key to reducing cost of living is a vision for energy. The key to ensuring young people can get into a house is land supply, something that Australia has plenty of yet is barely discussed. If we want to tackle violence against women and children, we should have pro-family pro policies, policies which favour mum, dad and the kids as the basic group unit of society. This doesn't mean we ignore others, it just means we do our best to support the model which provides the best security for children and the least prospect of violence against women. But loyalty and faithfulness is old-fashioned as we prefer sexual licence and keeping our options open. Political correctness means we discriminate against stay-at-home parents as money is poured into every form of childcare choice except the choice to care for one's children in one's own home. Women's issues are high on the agenda, but there is no discussion on a major cause of violence against women. Pornography. It was good to hear both leaders give the right answer on the question, what is a woman? But the obvious follow-up questions were not asked. Why are our children taught? Uh, why are our children not taught this at school? Why are they teaching harmful rainbow gender fluid ideology? Why can't the government overturn the Australian Human Rights Commission's transgender guidelines? Uh, these are the ones which put sporting clubs at risk of legal action if they try and protect girls and women's sport and private spaces. Woke climate and social policy is stifling debate and hobbling our future, making a mockery of Albo and ScoMo's respective slogans for a better and stronger future. But because woke is viciously anti-free speech, politicians shy away from reality, preferring to appease cultural and media release. So the election campaign consists of appeals to base selfishness of voters who don't seem to want leaders who will rock the boat too much, but who will complain about them nonetheless. The price we pay is kicking the can of hard issues down the road until they come back to bite us. Sure, the leaders are uninspiring, but if Australia fails, we the people must bear a big part of the blame. My view is that candidates should stick to the facts, and when they don't stick to the facts, which Catherine Deves has not, they should be challenged. And it is problematic to stand by somebody who's not stuck to the facts. Now, Scott Morrison was right this week to express concern about children undergoing irreversible sex change operations. But rainbow political activists and their supporters in the media, like the ABC's Patricia Carvelis, whom you just heard, ridiculed the Prime Minister, saying children under 18 are not allowed to undergo gender reassignment surgery. The Guardian Australia said Morrison wrongly claimed minors were being operated on. But it is not Morrison who was wrong. Australian girls under 18 have had double mastectomies as a result of rainbow ideology. The youngest known case was just 15. Even the ABC had reported in 2018 that children with gender dysphoria no longer have to seek court approval to undergo surgery, end quote. Morrison was spot on. Don't the media have Google? It's bad enough that children are allowed to be prescribed experimental cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers, um, which also can have irreversible side effects, including infertility and brain damage. Morrison's comments come 
as his candidate for Warringah, Catherine Dees, was bailed up at pre-poll this week by Chris Kennedy, Kenny from Sky News. He was frustrated that the Liberal Party was shielding Dees from the media. In an impromptu interview, Dees stood by her comments about children being mutilated by gender reassignment surgery, which involved the removal of breasts and genitals. And I apologise for my language. I do not resile from my position. So uh, when you said that the, the gender reassignment surgery for teenagers was mutilation, that was inappropriate? Look, that is actually the correct medico-legal term. When you are looking at medical... But you were wrong to use that language? Look, it's very emotive and it's uh, very confronting uh, and, and it's very ugly. So, of course, people are going to be offended. But when you look at medical negligence cases, that is the terminology that they use. Now, Morrison was immediately set upon by the media and, to his credit, he backed Eves. You previously defended Catherine Deves' controversial comments on transgender teenagers by saying she'd apologised and withdrawn them. Now that she's walked that back, do you still stand by her? Yeah, I do. Look, the, the issues that Catherine commented on yesterday, they're incredibly sensitive. They're very challenging. What we're talking about here is gender reversal surgery for young adolescents. And we can't pretend this is not a very significant, serious issue. It is. It's complicated. And the issues that have to be considered, first and foremost, in the welfare of the, the adolescent child and their parents, and their parents. We can't pretend that this type of surgery is some minor procedure. This is a very significant change to a young person's life. Now, sadly, primary school children are being taught at school uh, and through social media that gender is fluid. There is an unprecedented epidemic of children presenting at controversial gender clinics as a result of the promotion of radical rainbow ideology. Labor's national platform says that Labor in government will provide taxpayer-funded sex change operations to young people. It's not clear if that includes young people under the age of 18. The media needs to stop calling Deves controversial. It's Labor's policy which is controversial. Deves and Morrison are mainstream. Well, to further unpack the war on children's and women's gender, I caught up with my friend uh, Kiralee Smith of Binary Australia. Uh, it's uh, an awesome privilege to be with uh, Kiralee Smith, uh, spokeswoman for Binary Australia, fighting the good fight uh, in the gender wars. Uh, Kiralee, what is a woman? A woman is an adult human female. That's very good. Uh, not everyone can answer that, as we've seen with our health bureaucrats, but um, fortunately, ScoMo and Albo were able to answer that. Were you surprised? Um, well, I'm not surprised because it's the truth, but I'm surprised because it's not their party policies to say that. Yeah, now that's really interesting. And of course, we're talking about the, um, the big Channel 9 election debate uh, held last Sunday night. And uh, I think the fact that that question was even raised probably um, is a great credit to people like yourself who have been fighting this fight. Uh, how, is that how you see it? Yeah, look, we've tried for many, many years to get them to answer these questions and the best we ever get back from them is anyone who identifies as a woman is a woman, which is a nonsensical yeah. statement, makes no sense, it's based on nothing, um, but it is, it's in Labor policy and that's what the Office of the Prime Minister has told us over the years. So thrilled that when they're backed into a corner they have to speak the truth, but very disappointed because I know that that is not their policy at all. It's so good that you can um, help 
our audience understand that because I think the average punter watching that debate would think, okay, yeah, ScoMo, Albo, they're not woke. But as you say, for years, you've been writing to them uh, from Binary Australia saying, hey, guys, define this, this big debate's going on. And and you've actually got this nonsense in writing, haven't you? Absolutely. And we have... Uh, Maurice Payne, the Minister for Women for the Coalition and the Shadow Minister for Women, who's Tanya Plebersek, both of them in writing and are quite adamant, Tanya's quite vocal on uh, social media, that anyone who identifies as a woman is a woman, which, you know, we like to say that women don't have a penis, but both of these women will advocate for women who have a penis. It's it's absolutely insane. It's official policy and it's uh, where they stand. So... This is unfortunately the Channel 9 journalists, um, Deb Knight and Chris Yorman and David Crow, who were uh, on that panel, and Sarah Arbo, they didn't have the um, presence of mind or the good sense to ask the obvious follow up. But the fact that it was asked is progress in this debate, as you and I both know. And that's because of um, a woman by the name of Catherine Deves. Tell our audience who Catherine is. Uh, you, you know Catherine and have worked with her. Tell us about who this woman, Catherine Deves, is, who's running for the seat of Warringah for the Liberal Party and uh, has had all um, hell break loose uh, over her during this campaign. Yeah, Kat is an amazing woman. She's uh, a Sydney lawyer. She's got two beautiful daughters. And uh, a couple of years ago, she saw a a great concern in terms of women's sport. And so she co-founded Save Women's Sport Australasia. And she has been very vocal on social media and in other ways. She's looked very deeply into the legislation and what the issues are in this country. So she's not speaking from a reactive or a... um, like a a hysterical perspective it's very informed and um, she has as you said been announced as the candidate for Warringah up against Zali Stegall and uh, the media of course went to town going back through her social media posts and accused her of horrendous things have labeled her a bigot a transphobe all the rest of it but when you look at her post line there is nothing that she said that's inaccurate or untrue yeah, look, I, I agree with you, and I think it's worth unpacking that a bit for our audience. So she's accused of saying that um, that uh, you know trans children have been mutilated. Well, you know, let, let, let's just take there, There's three key things. Let's just take that one. What does she mean by that? Well, that when you surgically remove perfectly healthy body parts or change them um, on a young person or an older person, doesn't really matter, um, but we're particularly talking about young people, that is surgical mutilation. That's a technical term. Um, so she's absolutely correct in stating that. Now, people have taken offence. She has stated that she's sorry that people took offence to that, but what she has stated is accurate and correct. It's absolutely, and it was great to see her this week um, in an interview with uh, Chris Kenny from Sky News, um, doubling down on that and, and um, sort of walking back her apology a bit. But the other thing she's been accused of is a Nazi slur. Now, of course, no one is trying to say that uh, the trans movement are, are like, you know, about to unleash another Holocaust like was uh, unleashed against the Jews uh, during World War II. But there's principles that we can learn from that period of history. What, what was. Um, what was Catherine Deves trying to say when she was accused of of uh, a Nazi slur? Yeah, well, I can't speak for her, but the way I read it and I believe, you know, the way she has defended and can defend it is that it's about truth speak. It's about speaking the truth and facts. And when we're bullied into submission or um, silence because, you know, the... the people are accusing you of things or threatening you in any way shape or form then um we have an obligation to stand up and to speak the truth and Kat did that yeah not not to be silent when when uh lies are being told to our our 
our society and of course when it affects children as, as this does. The, the third thing she was accused of um, was of saying that so-called trans, um, trans women, uh, biological males, um, that half of them are sex offenders. Now she was talking about that in a particular context, wasn't she? But again, that was conflated to something that it, that it wasn't. Yeah, that's right. I don't have the statistics, but there is a lot of evidence and proof that sex offenders, there are transgender sex offenders, um, and she's all over those statistics. She's all over the facts, and she was correct. Yeah, and, 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 and particularly in that context that she mentioned, it was the uh, British prison system, and, and of course half of uh, trans women in the British, so there's biological males, were were sex offenders. Now, now Kiralee, um, you, you've been fighting this debate for a long time. You and I go back to... Um, uh, the marriage campaign in the lead up to 2017 when we degendered marriage but uh, I'm sure like me you'll be looking at the way this save women's sports debate has now come out into the open we're talking about these issues thanks to Catherine Deves how significant do you think it is and and is this something that the major political parties actually wanted to see happen uh, during a, a federal election campaign oh I don't think they wanted to see this happen at all Lyle I think that um, you know in our experience of talking to them of uh, pressuring them to have these conversations uh, they feel like it's too controversial they don't want to touch it so um, look we have we warned that this would happen and it's happening and I think sport is a great uh, issue to to raise in there's lots of other issues we could talk about whether it's education um, what's happening to children in the medical system and and so on but sport Aussies love their sport and it is a place of connection for all of us and so it's a matter of fairness it's a matter of biology it's a matter of plain truth and facts that are out there so it is excellent that this conversation has been had it's very disappointing disappointing the way the media construes it the way the media refuses as you said to ask the the obvious questions but it gives us a platform and the ability to continue this conversation which we will do now anthony albanese who aspires to be prime minister we've talked about him he, he can now define a woman uh, in spite of labor party policy but uh he was critical of catherine deves this week saying that um you've got to think about vulnerable people um of course, we, we agree with that, but there's there's two sets of vulnerable people in this debate, isn't there? Absolutely, and I agree. We, we definitely need to treat individual people with compassion and concern, but this is an ide ideological debate that needs to be had. And what happens to the vulnerable girls, the vulnerable women, who are now in situations where in the change rooms they have to f yeah. be confronted with male genitalia from someone who says that they're presenting as a woman and they're clearly not. So uh, there's women at risk, there's women on the sporting fields who are in harm's way and it's simply unfair. So it's, it's really it's, it's wrong for Albo yeah. to say that. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And, of course, the, the media don't even think about uh, the other victims. Of course, we're concerned about people who are struggling with their gender identity. They need all the love, compassion, professional help uh, that's available. But it, it's when, though, that um, our culture, our education system is actually teaching children this ideology. And what have you discovered about the um, infiltration of this into our schools right around the nation? Look, you know, it's from library books that are, and books that are being read in the classroom to children as young as three, um, and also groups, activists in the school staff who are 
basically facilitating the first steps of transition without parental knowledge or consent that is what I mean by that is they're they're allowing children to change their pronouns and their names at school without telling their parents we've had um, uh, reports and then then these are anecdotal but um, you know children even being able to change uniforms when they turn up at school without parental knowledge or consent so Mark Latham here in New South Wales is doing a fantastic job at trying to um, do something about that in legislation but I'll just say it all comes back it does come back to the marriage campaign but before that in 2013 Julia Gillard's government one of her latest last acts as Prime Minister was to remove the definitions of man and woman from the Sex Discrimination Act so the Sex Discrimination Act doesn't protect biological sex only people who appropriate sex Um, do you think the politicians knew what they were doing in 2013 when they removed the definition of sex from the Sex Discrimination Act. Was this some sort of sleight of hand? I mean, surely the the, the activists who were uh, pressuring the politicians to amend that legislation knew what they were doing, but do you think the wool was pulled over our politicians' eyes? Look, some of them. Some of them are ignorant. Some of them are willfully ignorant, um, but I think some were very strategic and um, it was a very deliberate act because what, what good can come of that sort of thing? It was always for this radical gender ideology. And this this is um, now playing out with, with really severe consequences for young people. As the Prime Minister tried to say this week, he said that um, gender reassignment surgery is a very serious thing. It's no minor issue. And um, we saw a pile on by the leftist media, uh, prominent commentators like Sally Rugg from Change.org, a a gay activist. Uh, Nothing wrong with being a gay activist. I'm an activist, you're an activist, but uh, so I'm not trying to be pejorative about that. But the point is, they tried to say that there are no children uh, that are undergoing gender reassignment surgery. And and the Guardian headline said, Prime Minister wrongly says that children... Um, now, of course, that's that's just nonsense. Absolutely. We know that, um, that uh, many, many uh, children have undergone these sort of uh, radical surgeries. Yes, they have. And there's, you know, there's court documents that reveal 15-year-old girls have had double mastectomies, which are irreversible surgeries. Uh, those people will now, if they choose to... Um, desist or um, detransition they you know you, yeah you could have breast implants but you're never going to be able to breastfeed a baby they're irreversible um, there are many examples of this happening in Australia right now um, so those people are wrong in what they're saying let me also say that um, recent medical professionals have put out reports and studies to prove that even putting a child on puberty blockers stunts the growth of genitalia it stunts the um the fertility process that goes on in a person's body it has bone density issues so it's not just the surgical procedures that are damaging to children but any medical procedure is damaging to children so Catherine Deves Prime Minister were both correct in their statements and uh this conversation needs to be had at a much higher level we won't be holding our breath for an apology from the Guardian newspaper or Sally Rugg. Why do you think the uh, rainbow political activists um, try and suppress discussion and debate on this issue? You're in this fight every day of your life. Why does all hell break loose whenever anyone puts their head above the parapet to question this ideology and to express concern about the damage that it might be doing to children? Well, because these are all adult sexualized concepts. They're, you know, we call them sexual identities and sexual orientations. They're sexual at the core. And it's it's completely inappropriate and wrong to impose those sort of ideologies on children. They know that, you and I know that. Um, they wanna keep the conversation at the adult level, but you just can't do that because they've taken it into our schools. They've 
uh, now you know transitioning children the conversation has to be had exposes the um, insidious nature of it all to do that and so instead of engaging and having these discussions we get labeled as phobes and bigots and everything else meanwhile children are now making decisions or being coerced into uh, doing things in their bodies that you know they're not allowed to drink alcohol get married drive a car have a tattoo, all of those sort of things, but they're making these radical life-changing decisions and, and it's unacceptable. As a society, we need to care for and protect our young. And if we can't even have these conversations, then how do we do that? Yeah, that's right. This is a very illiberal agenda. It relies on um, going against every principle that a free society believes in freedom of speech, uh, the right of parents to, um, you know, raise their children in, in the values that they seem fit. That this is these are all things protected by international law, long established principles of of free societies. And yet, this political agenda is anti the most basic freedoms that uh, Australians have always taken for granted. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um it's just fascinating to me. It really um, presses home the point that this isn't an ideological agenda yeah. because they won't come back at us with facts. They won't come back with studies. In fact, they try to cancel academics yeah. who do the research. And um, it, it, it's just more and more evidence that this is an ideological war. This isn't about the facts and what's really going on because they don't have the medical, the health, the psychological yeah. statistics to back them up. Yeah, so Kiralee, um, what's next for, for Binary? Um, we're in the middle of a federal campaign now. Um, you, you've been doing great work there. Um, where, where to from here? Yeah, well, we'll continue for the last few weeks of uh, the federal campaign to make sure that this is a conversation that's being had around Australia. Um, we will look to the Victorian state election, which is coming up because that's really a canary in the coal mine, I guess, in a way, because it's so uh, ingrained um, in Victoria and there's a lot of concerned parents. But the, the biggest challenge we have is awareness. We really need to raise the level of awareness. Unfortunately, the people who contact me are usually contacting me because it's too late. It's already in their child's school or their child has been affected by it or it's happened in their sporting association and now they don't know what to do. So um, our big challenge is to, to increase that level of awareness beyond the sporting field. It's a very important conversation on sport, but education, the definitions, the legislation, they're all the things. We want to support Senator Claire Chandler's bill yep. and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah, no, this is really important. Um, just, just on Senator Claire Chandler's bill, the Tasmanian Liberal, who the Prime Minister has put his arm around and said, I support Senator Claire Chandler and yet won't uh, make her bill a government bill. And I think you and I have talked about this before, but I, we've just got to keep letting people know that um, that's a very hollow uh, indication of support from the Prime Minister, isn't it? Yeah, it's lip service is all it is, unfortunately. Um, but he has said it and done it in public now, so we'll keep holding the party to that. But, but, but it's, it's not, not a, it's not a government bill and everyone knows a that bill. a private senator's bill will go nowhere. That's right. But um that that's the challenge for binary to make sure that it remains yeah. as part of the agenda and we will support Senator Chandler in every way that we possibly can um, to do that. But yeah, it's it's absolute lip service. Um, I don't think the majority of the population understand politics enough yeah. to understand that that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Now we've got to keep telling people. Kiralee, just uh, one other thing before we let you go. Um, just when you're talking about how uh, ingrained this is, um, I had a, a friend of mine who's got teenage daughters uh, say that um, his kids are being influenced, you know, by this gender fluid agenda, and and it's through their mobile phone devices. It's it's TikTok. It's yeah. um, and uh, it's probably uh, more. Uh, 
through the culture than what many of us adults who are not on TikTok uh, realise. So it's one thing for us to be fighting at the political arena, and that's necessary, but um, this has really got a foothold culturally, hasn't it, and indoctrinating our kids. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's as superficial as because of all the name-calling, and it, it really um, prohibits people from speaking or engaging and, and speaking the truth. But again, this is where these awareness campaigns are so important, that we have to be making this part of the conversation at every level, um, particularly for parents to be able to speak with their children, um, other children to be able to speak to other children, and to rely on facts, not feelings, when it comes to this. Well, good on you, Kiralee. How can people uh, get to your work and, and get to your social media and websites and all of that sort of information? Yep, binary.org.au is the best place to find us. We'll have all our campaigns on there, ways you can get involved, and just lots of information to educate yourself and that you can share. We have a weekly email that you can sign up for there. And we're on social media, um, primarily Facebook. So uh, have, we've got a really good reach, um, you know, over a million people a week most times now. So um, it is growing, but we need it to be yeah a lot more it's really encouraging Kiralee well thanks so much for spending time with us today really appreciate it thanks for having me Lyle. the Australian's headline reporting the Anglican Church's same-sex marriage vote was of course misleading actually it couldn't have been further from the truth conservatives crushed implied that the General Synod's meeting on the Gold Coast voted overwhelmingly in accordance with the spirit of the age to overhaul the church's supposedly outdated view of marriage. The reality is the overwhelming majority of laity and clergy voted to stick with Jesus Christ's definition and rejected moves to bless same-sex unions. The General Synod is made up of three voting houses, laity, clergy and bishops. Laity and clergy together voted 143 to 98 to stay faithful to Christian marriage, but bishops voted 12 to 10 to veto them, with two bishops abstaining. What is not now known is whether this will split the Anglican Church in Australia as it has in the United States, Canada and New Zealand. The Archbishop of Sydney, Kanishka Raphael, who led the charge to stay faithful, said this, I can tell you that I have had people approach me saying that they would leave, but I have exhorted them not to, end quote. A bishop in Brisbane, Jonathan Holland, tried to justify redefining marriage by implying the Bible has simply been misrepresented for 2,000 years. When we see two people together in love, whether that's a man and a woman, or most commonly as in the case, two men and two women, that love is reciprocal. It's intimate and nurturing. The context is permanency and exclusiveness in marriage. Who are we to say that they are not fulfilling the teaching of Jesus Christ and his ruling principle of love, he said. Now, the problem with that line of argument is why does it not apply to relationships with more than two people who love each other? Is it not bigotry to deny a church blessing to group love? Where does it end? It also excludes the rights of children to, wherever possible, know the love and nurture of their biological mother and father, something that is impossible from a same-sex relationship. None of the media reports indicated that the General Synod discussed anything other than the rights of adults. Does the Anglican Church now support commercial surrogacy, a key demand of same-sex marriage campaigners? Uh, can, should two men have the benefits of marriage equality by renting women's wombs and establishing a market in babies? If the Anglican Church is supporting the degendering of marriage, where does it stand on teaching children that gender is fluid, not something 
one is born with? So many questions. The Anglican Church in Australia, like the Uniting Church before, before it, has crossed a, a Rubicon. The Christian Church has always been countercultural. It is supposed to, through faithful witness, bring the Church into conformity with the Word of God, not itself to conform with the world. It's one thing for corporates like Qantas to go woke, but five years on from same-sex marriage becoming law, the rainbow political movement has claimed its biggest cultural scalp. Will the rest of the Australian church be found faithful? A lot has been said about the so-called teal independents running at this election. All are targeting liberal sitting members who are already woke on climate and social policy. There is no policy difference between a Zoe Daniels and a Tim Wilson in Goldstein or a Josh Frydenberg and a Monique Ryan in, Fr in Kuyong in Melbourne. They all support economy-destroying climate policies and they all support abortion to birth, same-sex marriage and teaching children their gender is fluid. So what is the Teal's game if they are investing so much in knocking off fellow travellers? Clearly it is to hurt the Liberal Party and to reshape it into a Green Left Party and it's working. Scott Morrison is campaigning to win the outer suburbs by talking up saving women's sports from rainbow activists and talking down his net zero policy while the Teal fighting Libs are doing the opposite. A house divided cannot stand and the Teals know it. They are seeking to move the political centre further to the left and thus reshape Australia. The Liberals only have themselves to blame for squibbing the energy debate. No one, including Europeans, uh, now that there's a war in Ukraine, believe that net zero is feasible. The Liberals also squib the culture wars. It says something about Australians who live in rich suburbs that they have been sucked into uh, believing the left's lives to the point where blue blood electorates will now run to the green left. Wealthy people on Sydney's North Shore or in Melbourne's Kuyong are not affected by rising electricity prices and they think it's incredibly intelligent to believe gender is fluid. They are playing into the hands of the Teals who hope to reshape the Liberals and through them, our nation. Well, that's it for Macquarie Street uh, this week. Thanks so much for your company. Uh, until next week, goodbye.